All right, so Easter is over. That was last week. We had an amazing, fun time. How many of you had kids who had just way too much sugar in them when they got home? Um, but Easter is usually a time when we think about bunnies. And my favorite bunny story is one spring when I went to the garden and there was this little bunny who was just sitting there like, like this, trying to hide. All his siblings had left. They were probably, you know, off on their own already, but he stayed. And he just stayed that way for hours. And I, I, I told Greg later that I think he thought, she can't see me, she can't see me. If I'm really still, she can't see me. Well, I came back a couple hours later. He was still in the same spot, sitting like that. So I did what anyone would do. I picked him up and took him inside, because he was so cute. Um, I put him in a little bucket and left him in the garage, because I didn't want to bring him into the house. Somehow, he escaped. He jumped out of the bucket and escaped. And so I was like, okay, uh, he's free, so he can go. But just in case he doesn't know that he can run outside, I opened the garage door, I opened the, the uh, other door that he could get out. Three days later, I found George dead under the car. And I was like, George, the garage door was wide open. Why didn't you run out? And I think George was just sitting there going, she can't see me, she won't find me, I'm gonna be fine. And I think some of us are like that. Easter happened, we found that Jesus died, he was in the grave, and last week Greg taught us that what happened at the grave is that Jesus defeated death and the grave is now empty. And I said to George, George, you, you have escaped death. The garage door is open. You can run out and have freedom. But George didn't know that. He didn't run out because he thought the grave was where he was going to stay. And so today we're going to talk about what does it mean for you that the grave is empty. What does that mean for you today? So what is the resurrection in your life? Okay, I have to take off my earring because it's making noise. It's hitting the mic, sorry. Minor wardrobe change here. All right, thank you. <laughs> so I think many of us are like, like the song that Johan just sang for us. Um, that we just go through life and it feels kind of like a drudgery or for some of us it's not a drudgery it's just a rat race or a bunny race in this case and we just run from one thing to the next and we're like when is it gonna get better when am I gonna have more peace when am I gonna be more effective with my children when am I gonna have the marriage that I've always wanted where there's real love and trust. When am I going to do ministry that is fruitful and, and reaches a lot of people? And many, many of us may be wondering, is there more to this life? So today we're going we're gonna to talk about what happens to you now that the grave is empty. 
And we're going to look at a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. So keeping in mind that Paul had been to this church, he actually founded this church. He, he went to the town of the city of Ephesus, which was a big Roman capital in that area of Asia Minor. It's now in modern day Turkey. And Ephesus was a, a city that people came to because there was the, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world was there, the temple that was dedicated dedicated to Artemis or Diana, the goddess, was there. So people came there as a religious center. And Paul went there and he planted a church. And in his third journey, he actually spent three years with the church, building them up. And many people in the city came to know the Lord. A couple years later, Paul is sitting in prison in, in Rome. And Paul's thinking about this young church that he had just spent so much time with, and he wrote a letter to them to remind them who they are and to remind them what it means for them that they have life after the grave. So let's look together. We're going to read a lot of verses, and we'll stop, and I'll explain some things, and then we'll keep reading. But we're going to be looking in Ephesians 1, verse 17 through 19 first. If you, um, you can follow along or take out your app. Okay, we're, we're going to read in the New International Version. So here's Paul t- speaking to them. I keep asking that, God of our, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Okay, so right away Paul says, there are three things that I want you all to know, talking to the Ephesians and talking to us. These three things are, first, he wants you to know the hope to which he, God, has called you, or us. The second thing Paul reminds us that we need to know is the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And third, his incomparably great power. So, Paul was saying, you know, we need to know God with our mind. But he also said, but we also need to know God with the eyes of our heart. And what he's talking about there is that we need to know God with our mind and we need to experience him with our hearts because that's where our emotions are. Uh, in, In the Bible, in the scriptures, usually when they talk about the heart, it's the seat of our emotions. So he says, don't just know God. You need to know God. But you also need to experience these truths. And he's going to talk about these three truths. So next week, we're going to talk about how can you have a full life after you die. And that's going to be number one and two. So we'll talk about that next week. But today, I want to focus on what the grave, the empty grave means for you right now is the power of God in your life. So we're going to look at that. Paul's going to tell us, what is this power? Okay, so we're going to 
uh, continue to read in Ephesians 1, 19 through 23, Paul goes on to say, that power, remember the power uh, that God has, the power is the same as the mighty strength that he, God, exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet, Jesus' feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So Paul is saying here, I want you all to remember and to know and to experience this great power that God has. Okay, actually, remember, going back, he said, incomparably great power that God has for us. And Paul explains that to know this power, we have to go back to the grave. What happened at the grave? Jesus had been crucified. They took him off the cross, and they put him in a grave because it was going to be the Sabbath. And everybody expected him just to stay in the grave. But three days later, the power of God raised Jesus from the dead. This power of God we're going to find in, in many other places in Scripture that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came, and it was through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus was dead. He could not raise himself. But God sent the Holy Spirit to raise Jesus from the dead. And part of what we need to see is that Right before Jesus died, if you were here on Good Friday, we, we, took, we talked about the seven sayings that Jesus had on the cross. And the final one was when he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then Jesus breathed his last. Another word for commit is commend. In the King James, the word is commend. In the New Living Translation, it is entrust. So right before Jesus died, he said, Father, I trust myself to you. I'm going to entrust whatever happens to me to you. And three days later, God raised him from the dead because Jesus entrusted himself to the Father. When Jesus said those words, I, into your hands I commit my spirit. He was actually quoting from Psalm, Psalm 31, verse 5. But Psalm 31 is this psalm that the, the writer talks about how, God, I trust in you. In fact, here are some, some lines from the psalm. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Deliver me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge a strong fortress to save me. So you, do you hear the sense of trust that the, the writer has in God? 
And then he can say, because I trust in you, into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. And that's what Jesus was saying. In the grave, he was entrusting himself to God. When the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, it didn't end there. The empty grave meant that Jesus was now seated at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms. That's what Paul tells us. And to be seated at the right hand of God means to be given power and authority. And Paul tells us that Jesus had all authority over the principalities, which means the spirits, the, both the angels, the good spirits, as well as the demons, the evil spirits, that Jesus now has authority over all of that. And all of creation, now and forever. Um, and this means that, Paul then explains that this means that God placed everything under Jesus' feet. The empty grave means that you have a Savior who has all authority and who rules over everything. And so, in the heavenly realms means Jesus has taken his place in heaven. But it also means Jesus in the heavenly realms, is in the spiritual realm, the realm that you and I can't see with our eyes. But many of you have experienced and felt, and we all have a spirit, and so that we also live in the spiritual realm. And so Jesus now has power and dominion over all of that. But it doesn't end there. Paul was reminding them what happened at the grave. And then he's going to go on to say, and here's what happened to you because the grave is empty. So let's, let's read on and we're going to look at how Jesus' resurrection from the grave is also a model of what happens to us because the grave is empty. So in Ephesians 2, verse 1 through 7, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, now Paul's putting himself with them, he says, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Okay, so let, let's look at what Paul is saying to us about what does the empty grave mean for you and me. 
The empty grave means that we have been raised up with Christ. Okay, because we were dead in our sins. That word transgressions means sins. We have disobeyed God and broken his rules and his laws. This, this deadness that we have, Paul tells us that before Christ came and died for us, we didn't even know that we were dead. We're just living life and running around and doing what we think needs to get done, and we just go through the daily grind. Some of us don't even realize we're dead. We were dead in our trespasses, in our sins. But because God loved us so much, Paul tells us that it is in his great love for us that he raised us from the dead. It was because I had compassion on George that I opened the garage door. Because I was like, you know what, he, is, he should have his freedom. And the grave, the door to the grave is open. And God is the one who raises us up. In Romans 8, verse 11, we, Paul, also writing, says that it is the Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead, and it is the same Holy Spirit who lives in you and me when we believe in Jesus. And so Paul says in Romans 8, verse 11, that if this Holy Spirit can raise Jesus from the dead, and now this Holy Spirit lives in you and me. Why wouldn't he also raise us from the dead? Those areas in your life that you feel defeated, you feel like you're in bondage, you feel like it is bringing death into your life, your marriage, your parenting, your, your serving God, those areas, why would the Holy Spirit not also bring that to life? He has the power to raise people from the dead. He has the power to raise those areas in your life as well. So not only have we escaped death because Jesus rose from the grave, but look what happens, what, what God did with us and for us. God raises up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Remember earlier, we, Paul said that when Jesus was raised up, he was seated at the right hand of God, which meant he had authority to rule. And then God raised us up, and we got to sit right next to Jesus. We're not at the right hand, like, like God's right-hand man, but we are seated right next to the right-hand man, which pretty much means... We're also ruling with Christ. And next week, we're going to learn about what does eternity look like for us. So we'll talk more about that. <clears throat> but in the spiritual realm, Paul is saying, do you understand that you now have authority over the spirits and you don't need to be afraid of them? You have authority over the spirits, the, the demons, and for us who, who have a lineage that is very steeped in 
shamanism and the, the fear of being tortured and ruled by spirits, Paul says, you don't have to be afraid. The empty grave means you are now seated with Christ in the spiritual realm so that the authority that Jesus has, you also share in that. And that by Jesus' authority, even the spirits are subject to you. Subject means they are under you. Being under you, we can see, Paul said, that everything was put under Jesus' feet. Okay, so can you picture yourself seated next to the right-hand man of heaven? I think many of us don't know our place in the heavenlies. We just think, no, 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 I'm here on earth, I just got to go through the daily grind. But the grave is empty. The door to the tomb has been opened. We need to walk out. Jesus has already given us that position because of what he did. Romans 8, in Romans 8, Paul also talked, he explained a lot about what the Holy Spirit does in us. And he says, you are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And this idea that many of us go through life just thinking, I'm just human. I'm here for 85, 90 years if I'm really lucky. I just got to live this life. And Paul is telling us, no, you don't. The power of God is in you that you can do more than just live this life. So I want to give you an example of what, what a resurrected life looks like. Um, from the Bible first. So um, we're going to take a quick snapshot of Simon Peter. We're going to look at him in the grave, resurrected, and then full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Simon Peter was a, a just a regular, I wasn't going to say a regular Joe, but back then it was probably uh, a re regular John because that was a really common name. But Simon Peter was a fisherman. That's what he did for a living. And he was okay at it, because we find that when Jesus met him, he couldn't catch any fish. So I don't know how well he did. But he was a fisherman just going through his days. He met Jesus. Jesus came and said, hey, come follow me. And for the next three, three and a half years, Peter, Simon Peter walked with Jesus, ate with him, slept with him, talked with him, learned from him. And in those three and a half years, the Bible tells us, gives us lots of stories about how Simon would be, you know, would say things that would shock everybody, and he would say things that Jesus would say, okay, stop. That's not from God. That's from, that's from Satan, so don't say that. He would be courageous and actually get out on the water and walk on the water because he saw Jesus doing it, and then he would sink. I mean, Peter was trying to learn what it means to follow Jesus for those three and a half years. Towards the end of those three and a half years, he did the unthinkable. He betrayed Jesus. When Jesus was uh, on trial, 
some little servant girl said, hey, I think I recognize you. You look like one of Jesus' followers. And Peter's like, no, I'm not. In fact, he denied Jesus three times. Okay, so this is Peter trying to follow Jesus in his, the best way he knows how, in his own understanding, and sometimes getting it right and sometimes really failing. Okay, but the story doesn't end there because Jesus died, Jesus rose from the dead, Peter ran to the grave and actually saw that, yes, it's empty, and Jesus' body is not here. Peter saw with his eyes that the grave was empty. And 40 days later, Peter experienced the power of God coming into his life by receiving the Holy Spirit. And that day, we see a different Peter. That very day when the Holy Spirit came upon them, Peter stood up in front of everyone and preached and taught, told everybody, hey, here's what, we, here's what you did to Jesus, but he is the Savior. And that day, 3,000 people came to the Lord. From someone who was scared and denying that I even know Jesus to someone who was able to stand up and bring many people to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Peter could only do that because the Holy Spirit came because the grave is empty. And it's really interesting that the night before Jesus died, Jesus said this to Peter and the disciples. He said, it is better for you that I go away. And they're like, no, 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 don't go. And he's like, it's better for you. You know why? Because unless I go away, the Holy Spirit won't come. But when I go, I am going to send you the Holy Spirit, and through the Holy Spirit, you will remember everything I taught you. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you into all truth so that you won't believe the lies of the world. The Holy Spirit is the one who will convict you when you do something that hurts others and that goes against God. The Holy Spirit is going to give you power. In fact, Jesus said, in fact, don't do anything until the Holy Spirit comes. And that's what Jesus has for us. A resurrected life is one that is full of the Holy Spirit. So I want to ask you, where are you in your journey? Where are you in your journey? As we look at this uh, the empty grave, I see three phases that we might be in. First, you might be living life on your own, just going through the daily grind, putting your head down and doing whatever needs to be done. And it feels like it's kind of futile. And many of us don't even realize that that is a dead life, that we are still living in the grave. And if you're there and you're like, there's got to be more to life than this. I, there's got to be a way that I can be more loving, more forgiving, more supportive and encouraging of my children, more uh, selfless. 
if you're there, then I would say you need to know that the grave is empty, that the, tomb, the door is open, and you need to entrust yourself to God. You need to trust him to be the one to save you, to be the one to give you a heart that is more loving. You need to trust him to be the one that will help you to forgive. You need to trust him for those things that you long for. That's what it means to leave the grave, to let God raise you from the dead. God will raise you from the dead, but you have to entrust your life to him. God will raise you from the dead, but you have to entrust your life to him, like Jesus did. Okay? Some of us are living a life in Christ, trying to follow him, but we're powerless. And it's because we're trying to do it on our own. We're like Peter the disciple who is just walking around with Jesus like, okay, what, hey, what are you doing now, Jesus? Okay, I didn't understand that. Can you explain to me what you just did? Constantly needing to be taught and not knowing and being confused, but following Jesus. Okay? So it's like we know that, we know that the, the tomb is empty, the grave, the tomb door is open, but we keep running back and forth like, I don't know if I trust you completely with this, but I want to understand you. And I think that many people who, who God has already called and said, you are my child, and I've raised you from the dead, and you are seated in the heavenlies with Christ, many of us don't know what those two things mean. So we still live straddling the world of, okay, life is just, I just have to get through life, but I trust you, God, but not really in these areas. And so then we're not fruitful. And we, we look at ourselves and we're like, I, I, I have no power in my life because I'm trying to do it on my own power. So if you're there, Paul says somewhere else that you need to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time thing. The Holy Spirit comes in you so that you can be raised from the dead, which means that you can ask God to forgive you and to help you. But you need to do that every day. Like, Holy Spirit, I surrender to you. Holy Spirit, I commit my life to you. Holy Spirit, I commit what I'm about to do here to you. Holy Spirit, give me the power to do this thing that is impossible for me to do, like forgive my husband or love that person who, who just stabbed me in the back. It's, you have to constantly surrender those things to the Holy Spirit. And then you can move to the phase of living life full of God's incredible power that he has for you. Um, many of us don't even know that God has that power for us. So we just keep trying to please God and do life on our own power. But God's power is for us. Let me go back and read that verse to you. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know 
And then I'm just going to jump to the third thing that you need to know. In order that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. Do you know the incomparably great power of God that he has for you right now, today? Not waiting till heaven, eternity, but right now, today. Do you know that? Like Paul, I want to say, it is my prayer that all of you would know that so that you can live a life that is not just going through the daily grind, that's not just trying to keep up with the Vangs and the Yangs and the Joneses, but that is a life full of power in your relationships, in your ministries, in your job. So know the incomparably great power that God has for us. Let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know your incomparably great power for us who believe. And I pray that out of your glorious riches, you may strengthen us with power through your spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And now, Father, to you who are able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to your power that is at work within us. To you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.